Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, joined as I often am by my wonderful colleagues and collaborators, Cassidy Williams and Matt Kiernander. Hi, y'all. Hello. Hello. Cassidy, we have a super special guest today. We're keeping it in the family. Your yeah. sister, Cami Williams, is joining us from Meta. Hi, Cami. Hello, everybody. Hey, Cass. Nice to oh, see hey. you again. I'll call you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the two of you grew up together working on computer science and technology. Do I have that right? And even worked at some companies together. Tell us a little bit about how this sisterhood of the traveling programmers. How did, how did that? <laughs> oh my gosh. Let's see. I kind of like that actually. Yeah. I promise like we didn't just code. We, we didn't right. code until later in life. <laughs> yeah. We, we did other things. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Not we went outside occasionally. Not accusing yeah. you of anything. We touched grass. Yeah. But then, yeah, we both ended up majoring in computer science and we've, we've overlapped at a couple places. We worked at a startup together called Clarify and at Amazon together. I forgot we worked at Amazon together. We were having our little pre-combo. I was like, yeah, we've worked together in the past, but haven't really collaborated much since then. Right. Are you kidding we me? fully worked at Amazon together. I totally yeah, we, we like ran a live streaming show, Cammy. Yeah. Wow. That was a lot of fun, that live streaming show. But yeah, when, when we were growing up, we always kind of like, I mean, granted, Cassidy's my older sister and I wanted to be cool like her cool, quote unquote. So we definitely favored like tinkering more Legos, connects, all that good Lincoln logs. You know, we, we really liked creating different things. I think like growing up, we created across our living room, this giant Lego ski lift that ran by itself. And then the Lego men would like, it It was, Mm. yeah, that was a feat of engineering. Yeah. So we were those kids. But then Cassidy grew an affinity for being on the computer, I guess, <laughs> sooner than me and discovered how to like actually build websites and games and stuff. And for me, when I was in high school trying to decide what I wanted to do the rest of my life, I was like, well, I guess I'll try out what Cassidy is doing and see if I like it. And I did, which was kind of Cool and, and somewhat of a happenstance. Yeah. And so that kind of set the tone for the rest of our careers, I guess. That's yeah. so fun. But you did part at one point. This is not like the Jedi. That's the true. We haven't been yeah. totally attached to the great at the divide head. of front end and back end. What pulled you in opposite directions, do you think? Angst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Cassie and I like. In college, we both interned at big companies. And when we were working at Clarify, I'll admit, for me, it was a lot. As a first job out of school, it was an amazing product, an amazing company, amazing culture. I really enjoyed it, but it was kind of too much for me personally. I wanted more hands-on technical mentorship as my first job outside of school. It was less than 20 people. Mm. So it was a pretty small startup to join right out of school. Gotcha. It was a lot, but it was fun. And I learned a lot and I would totally like do it again and recommend that company to anyone. But so we lived in New York and our commute was also really annoying. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, what is a big tech company I can go to that has some good mentorship opportunities where I can learn and grow and use that as a launch pad into whatever's next. 
and what is on the train line that is closest to us. And for me, that was Google. So I applied to Google and I went there. And that was also a really great experience. And for me, it it worked. It clicked. Like that environment was one that I thrived in more so than the startup environment. And I, I can't necessarily say with confidence that today I wouldn't consider a startup. I think startups are great. I just haven't, you know, been in that type of operational environment in a long time. But she's almost gotten like all the fang infinity stones, though, because she's gotten yes. Google, <laughs> Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and now Meta. Wow. Yeah, I'm wearing purple because I am almost Thanos. <laughs> but yeah, that's like that's what worked for me. So so I continued to stay on the big company track and Cassidy has not. If we don't stop you before you work at Netflix, you could just blip us all out of reality. Is that what you're I'm sorry? Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's, just gonna, she's gonna stopped. snap the tech industry. Right. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the job you're working on now because I know it relates pretty closely to how developers can interact with Meta and VR and AR and stuff like that. Tell us just a bit about the yeah the work you're doing these days. So I am a manager of platform advocacy at Meta. And platform advocacy is Reality Labs and React Technologies, which again, Cassidy, hello. No, but uh, <laughs> our developer advocate team started in Meta Open Source. I could actually, you know, think about like, what are some technical solutions that we're able to do with Meta Open Source that I haven't seen elsewhere. And so starting in that space, we've grown to now to different product areas. Our team supports family of apps, reality labs. And so for me working on reality labs, it was a shift mostly out of just interest. I started in ML on PyTorch and wanted to dive into VR because I'm definitely a generalist at heart. I don't like staying in the same technical field for too long. And so I, I never did VR and I wanted to dive into that. And it was also just an interesting time making that switch because it was a few months before the entire company changed their name to Meta. But also prior to that point, I think the temperature, and this isn't gospel, this is just kind of me reading in between the lines. The temperature that was Oculus and the VR developer community was that it was very much so like an expert field, quality over quantity, if you want to look at it like that, which is a little snarky, but by no means was the developer content or offering catered to the masses. There was kind mm. of this high barrier to entry. And so it was that connect last year where suddenly the narrative shifted. And it was really exciting because I, I was able to help build that narrative where it was like, we want to build the metaverse in the open. So please, anyone and everyone, come help us do this shape what the metaverse could be, but also build really cool things in VR. And so tying back to open source, we see a lot of that similar philosophy in the open source space. And so bringing that over to VR was, was one of the first things that I helped to do. And so now the team that I work with is continuing to help build and shape content for developers around the SDKs that are being released by Quest. But then also... React is one of the most popular open source projects for Meta and potentially in the industry. And that audience, you know, helped build, make the product what it is. And so it's no coincidence we've kind of paired, you know, that Reality Labs messaging with a tried and true successful product. 
We want to take the things that have happened and we've learned from building React as a very successful open source project with the community and bring that into Reality Labs. And so the teams that I currently support are, are helping us do that, helping us maybe build the bridge for mobile and web developers, but more so identify things that went really well in that space and, and applying that to some of the principles that we have in Reality Labs. I'm very curious because you mentioned that you are a generalist at heart and with your experience moving from what you were doing before into virtual reality, what kind of skill set, what kind of challenges and technical workarounds did you have to kind of learn about progressing into working in, in VR? Like I'm assuming, as far as I'm aware, there's Unity and Unreal, which you can do VR and AR development in, but like developing SDKs and stuff like that. Can you run through kind of like the process of your day-to-day work, how you're developing things, what you're doing? Yeah, definitely. So I, one of my management philosophies is that, um, ha ha ha. I'm only laughing because when you use that joke voice, it's like exactly Cassidy's like joke voice. It's like really gets me. Like my mind is boggled right now. (laughs) One of my management philosophies is that as a developer advocate, I don't think you have to be an expert in any particular technical field, but you do have to be an expert in learning. And so mm-hmm. when I started at Meta or even at my previous role as a developer advocate at Amazon, I kind of just take six months to dive in and learn not only how to build for VR in this case, but, but then also what does a community member have to deal with when they're also learning? And It's one of the benefits of being a DA where we can act as that hacker zero, developer zero, and we can just say, okay, I'm going to shut out all these internal teams and approach this problem just like any external community member would. And so that's what I did when I first started learning VR development. I took Unity courses, Unreal courses, looked at some YouTube tutorials, read the blogs that we were publishing on a daily basis for six months, and then compiled my learnings and brought that back into internal teams. And that's kind of what my day-to-day today even looks like. And it's somewhat cyclical, where if we take that six months to learn and then follow up with another six months to a year of publishing what we've learned in a way where I think like people can potentially learn it better, build product feedback, help to shape the roadmap in a way where it does reduce that barrier to, to entry and then rinse and repeat. And a lot of people, I think, at other companies do it on a feature basis. So for example, for me, I work on Presence Platform. So we look at the stuff that was released with Presence Platform today and are spending our six months today learning, dissecting, diving in. And then in the next six months, you can expect to see new content and courses from our team. And and again, it's kind of all at a different cadence, but that's just kind of how I operate. So my day-to-day is to make a long story even longer, (laughs) Um, meeting with these product teams, figuring out what's on the roadmap. All of that too is aligned with with products and features that want generalists and hobbyists or people from different developer audiences to be working with their products. Myself building prototypes with that offering and then working with the engineering and product teams to hopefully make it better based on my feedback, if it makes sense, and then creating content around it. So when you say presence, 
I think of two things. There was a new high-end Oculus headset that looks very cool. There's always new avatar stuff. There's now they legs. have legs. Yay, legs. <laughs> legs. But yeah, like Presence has talked a lot. That's one of the key things. Like I feel like I'm in the room with this other person. I'm kind mm-hmm. of getting the social cues. And that means a video call is so much richer, more immersive, you know, so much more intimate if I'm calling my grandparents across the world or for a work setting, you know, you mentioned you work in horizons, like it's just much nicer to be able to do. So when you say the presence platform, can you like enumerate for us kind of what that covers? Yeah. So presence platform is a suite of SDKs that developers can use to create that immersive experience for their customers, bring that into their VR apps. So it's currently in three parts and it is constantly being developed. So the first part is the interaction SDK. The interaction SDK is essentially hand tracking. Everything that you can do with your hands, not using controllers. Okay. So currently we recently revamped the interaction SDK. Now developers can have built-in gestures that we give them. So the easy ones are like rock, paper, scissors, ASL. You can also use the SDK to define your own hand poses and gestures And this is especially the piece that we strongly want to convey that we need developers to help us build. Obviously, everybody's hands look different. The way you speak looks different with your hands. And potentially the way you would hold like a pencil looks different. I hold my pens weird. I hold it like this. That's not Yeah, you get hand cramps. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So kind of using, again, that open source philosophy, let's build this together, helping to identify different hand poses. The Interaction SDK allows you to not only build those different poses and gestures, but also share them. So that's one part. The second part is the voice SDK. Voice is not new. And for me, it's kind of my bread and butter because I came from Alexa, I don't know if any of you have her in the room. I'm sorry if she's going off. We got headphones um, on. We're okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. But it's kind of taking those principles that we've learned from the other voice technology out there and bringing that into the VR space. And again, this is something that we need to build together because people say things differently and to encapsulate the whole vocabulary of the world in one ML model is it's not possible. And so, and so we need people to help us build those intense and voice interactions with us. If you say hello, you can say, Hey, howdy, how are you? Aloha. (laughs) That's not something that we expect a developer to again, list out through their VR app. So let's build that together. Let's develop that ML model together. And then the last piece is the insights SDK and insights is the coolest. It is also the one that is currently still being worked on because it is pretty new technology. With this new headset, it's it's just going to be that much better. But insights is essentially bring anything in your physical world into your VR space. It's kind of the mix of VR and AR. So it does object recognition and scene understanding, where if someone puts on their headset and they enter into their office, the developer can then, with the customer's permission, identify the desk in the room. And maybe they bring that desk into their virtual space or they overlay it to make it look like a log. I don't know, <laughs> something. <laughs> but, or, or if you're, for example, in, in your living room, put on the headset with the Inside SDK, you can identify the TV in the room and then use the pass-through API to build a VR space around everything except 
for the TV. Right. So you can you know, oh. potentially sit on a cupcake and get <laughs> candy canes all around right. and watch your TV. Auth0 by Okta has your back for all things authentication. Their developer center makes it easy to get started with identity. Identity tutorials, code samples, rich identity tools, and an active developer community. Visit today at developer.auth0.com slash stack. Make sure to check out that link and you'll let them know the podcast sent you. You, you mentioned before that you sometimes use that for work. And to me, that is such a cool idea. Like I can see my computer desktop, but I'm sitting in a rainforest and I've kind of that in that way shut out all these distractions. I think that is such a neat application potentially. Yeah. So this is the technology that internally we're using within Horizon. So there's there's Horizon and there's Horizon Workrooms. Um, so when I step into Horizon Workrooms, we can see the presence platform at play with the interaction CK. I can use my fingers to type. I don't have to hold on to controllers. We have the pass-through API so I can see, okay, my monitor is in front of me, my keyboard and my mouse. And then we can also use voice where I can say in the application, hey, take me to my next meeting. When is my next meeting? start a chat with Matt, Ben, and Cassidy. All of that is kind of built in. And so you're seeing like the stuff that we're putting out there for developers actually being used in some of our most successful VR apps. That would be bizarre to be doing this podcast every week in a different virtual environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be quite cool. <laughs> yeah, it is cool. And especially now that avatars are getting better, it's going to be even cooler. Right, right. <laughs> I like it a lot. So I guess, you know, from, from your perspective, thinking about all the announcements and, you know, the stuff that you've been working on, if developers are interested in dipping a toe into this world, where would you suggest they start? Because I was impressed also by some of the announcements that Meta made about how many, you know, games are active on the platform, how many of them are earning significant revenue. I know a lot of people who have really bought into that VR fitness world. I think that's a great use case. So if somebody wanted to, yeah, you know, said like this stuff, just, I feel so passionate about it. This is the future. I got to, I got to try building an app. Where would you suggest they get started? Yeah. I think it's really important that developers start learning this technology and I'm not a truth teller, but we can look at the recent history of the tech industry. And, and for us, we like to look a lot at the mobile community, like I said, with React and, and what we've learned from that. When we think about mobile development pre-iPhone or whatever, it wasn't really a thing, honestly. It was really just web development, but made like smaller. But then iPhone was introduced. There was this call to action for developers. Hey, come build for this marketplace. There's immense potential for you to make money. It was those initial apps created by these large corporations where it was like, okay, I'm going to make a mobile app that's the exact same thing as my web page, but smaller. If you want to zoom in, you have to click a button. If you want to scroll, you have to click a button. But it was indie developers and hobbyists, people who created things like Angry Birds, for example, that incorporated <laughs> physics right. into mobile apps. They redefined what interactions were. So now suddenly to zoom in, it wasn't clicking a button. It was pinching to zoom. And now you see little babies at the airport doing that. And it's like, oh my gosh, that little baby's playing Angry Birds like a pro. No big deal. Now it's become a part of our innate understanding. So fast forward, we're thinking about VR. There are principles from 
web and mobile that we're applying to VR. But there's still that level of friction. I think that if if you play any VR game, you probably can feel it's like cool, but I'm not fully immersed. I definitely know that like if I take off my headset, I'm not in Santorini. I'm in cartoon Santorini and no one has lakes. Mm. <laughs> we are hoping that indie developers help us create this next level deeper of interaction, of immersion. There's so much potential to help create this because literally no one has done it yet. We're maybe starting to see it, but it's wide open. You can build whatever you want to build and chances are it doesn't really exist right now. And it doesn't have to be this fully in-depth Call of Duty first-person shooter VR game. One of the most successful apps on the mobile app store for a long time at the beginning was a flashlight app. Easy, right? Like that. It doesn't have to be, you know, this $39.99 app. It can be a 99 cent app. So if you want to learn VR development, I highly, this is Cami talking. This isn't meta talking. This is Cami. I love the resources that Unity has. Unity's Learn Portal. I'm going to name my first child (laughs) Unity. Like so good. (laughs) Really amazing. They have a really great course sets where you can not only learn quest development, but you can also learn about the other headsets. And at the end of the day, I'm a developer advocate. I'm not a salesperson. I'm going to tell you build for quest, but also there are other marketplaces out there that are also important to learn. Quest is the best right now, but you know, you want to be able to build your app to scale. So if you're interested in learning, start there. But if you want to be on this cutting edge and help us define what the metaverse is, definitely look at presence platform. Stay up to date on the news that we have being released with Connect. We're going to have several more pieces and case studies that are going to be released in the next couple of weeks. Join our conversation and our discussion because we need help. At the end of Mark's big State of the Union, whatever yeah. he called it, yeah. um, <laughs> he literally said, stay in the metaverse, right? <laughs> he literally said, we want to build this together. We want this to be open technology, not closed technology. And that's what we're thinking right now. Maybe we're wrong. Help us figure that out if right. we're right or wrong. But, but truly, it's an invitation to you to, again, we're at these humble beginnings with VR. There are some really great titles out there that have made a lot of money and proven that consumers are interested in VR. Let's take it to that next level together and define what VR can actually be. One of the things that I'm very curious to get your take on is that you mentioned mobile really kind of revolutionizing you know, the way that we interacted with web and mobile, everything else. And for me, at least, that was because the iPhones, even though they're expensive, they're accessible to kind of like a mass audience. So there was already like an mm. market there. And, you know, it was, a, it was a very functional purchase because people were using it to go on phones, everything, everything else. It was great. And where I see a potential hurdle with the VR stuff is that you need access to a headset, a game computer with specific GPUs and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm curious between the adoption phase of this. My initial impression was that augmented reality, something that you could wear functional day-to-day basis would be kind of like where the mass adoption kind of came into play. And so I'm curious between AR and VR and how accessible these things are. Like, what are your thoughts around that? I think you're right. I think AR is the future. Because at the end of the day, what sounds cooler? 
going into a VR landscape and playing Pokemon or putting on glasses, contacts, whatever, and being like, oh my gosh, there's a Snorlax in front of me. I'm going to catch it. Like that sounds amazing, right? And I think when, when we think about the metaverse or when you look at the visuals that were in Connect, a lot of the captivating ones are AR. Like if if I want to play chess with Casty, I can go into Horizon and currently play chess, but I think the future would be I'm looking in front of me, she's right there, and we are playing chess, and I can knock over all our pieces. <laughs> when you and, lose. <laughs> ha, probably. I'm not that good at chess. Yeah. So so I think that's right. I think I think we're working towards that. And we're seeing some really great innovations in the AR space with Spark AR. We're starting with VR, though, because I think that's where we can, you know, put forth a lot of the resources needed to achieve these experiences. Mm. Quest is standalone. You don't need to have a computer. Oh, great. Yeah, which is great. The graphics are getting better. This new headset, it is pricier. It's a Quest Pro, and so everything is kind of upgraded. But the idea is like, let's let's dive into the hardware to be able to achieve the experience. And then as there are hardware improvements and evolutions, we can we can use that to eventually merge into this AR space. I mean I'm I'm no profit myself, but I can almost foresee that there will be a price cut on the older one, which is now $399 and it'll go to something even more affordable. And then the pro version will be for folks who want to develop on it, you know, always need to be on the cutting edge or actually working with it and stuff like that. So I mean, two hundred dollars. Just like mobile phones. Just yeah, two hundred bucks is a lot true. less than you pay for. Yeah. What you need to do is get your way, the way mobile phones get you is they get you with the phone plan where you don't pay up front. You need like some kind of VR yeah. plan. Who wants that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's how that's how they get all those units moved. I want to say thank you for coming on and ask you the most important question, which is what don't we know about your sister? That we should know because oh. we podcast oh, no. with her all the time. She's a great <laughs> she's a great co-host. She's a new CTO. What should we know about Cassidy that we don't know yet? No, you know, I'm just teasing. You don't have to out her. I have something. One of the things that bothers me the most about Cassidy <laughs> Straight is to it. <laughs> when you want to play a new board game with Cassidy, mm-hmm. you have to tell her the rules like three times. You can see as you're saying the rules of the game, her attention just starts to wander and she just, that's just my brain. <laughs> Cassidy is absolutely based on my experience, the worst at understanding the rules of a board game. The first time she plays, eventually she gets it. Okay. But the first time it is and the most aggravating you. thing. I'm going to put that in my back pocket. I did later. learn a board game yesterday on the first try of rules. So I'm yeah, I don't believe you. Don't believe but I know, but still, <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. As we always do, we want to shout out a member of the community who came on and helped to spread some knowledge. Today, I want to shout out Black Bishop, who won the Illuminator badge, meaning they came on, edited, and answered 500 different questions. (gasps) This badge has only been awarded 165 times, so it is quite the rare honor. Thanks to Black Bishop for contributing so much to the community answering and editing. We really appreciate you. All right, everybody. I am Ben Popper. I am the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me at Ben Popper on Twitter or email us with questions and suggestions, podcast at Stack Overflow. If you like the show, why don't you leave us a rating and a review? It really helps. 
I'm Cassidy Williams. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things. I'm CTO at Contenda, and I like memes. You should send me some. <laughs> I'm at Canada. I'm a developer advocate here at Stack Overflow. You can find me online at Matt Kanda, M-A-T-T-K-A-N-D-E-R. Thanks again, everyone. My name is Kimmy Williams. You can find me on Twitter at CWillyCS, or just go to Cassidy's profile and I'll probably have liked some of those tweets. <laughs> Definitely check out our Connect content that we released. Uh, check out the Presence platform. And if you are interested in getting started in VR, have built something cool in VR, or want to have an interesting conversation about the future, whether it's bleak or full of rainbows and unicorns, feel free to hit me up. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.